Well, good morning, Seacoast Church. How's everyone doing today? Are you awake? Are you alive? We are continuing today our series, How to Be Happy. This series is based off of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And before he got into the nitty-gritty, he did his preamble called the Beatitudes. And when we read through the Beatitudes, each statement is started with, blessed is, and then there's a Beatitude. Blessed is also translated as happy, and so all of 2022 as a church, we're learning how to be happy. I'm so excited that God has given me the opportunity and privilege to preach God's word to you today, and when I think about what he's placed in my heart, I pray that God will correct your heart the same way he's corrected mine as I've taken a look at the beatitude we're going to be uh, researching and studying and praying today, which is uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, when it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's take a moment to read the Beatitudes together. We're going to pray and we're going to get after it. Matthew chapter 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And Jesus began to teach them, and he's teaching them, and he's teaching them. At the end of his sermon, Scripture says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. There's a difference when you get to learn something from someone who has authority. There's difference between your middle school basketball coach teaching you a jump shot and Steph Curry saying, hey man, let me fix that jumper. Why? Steph Curry's got authority. There's a difference between learning about crypto from your Facebook friend and Warren Buffett saying, hey man, I'm flying to New York, hop on the Gulf Stream, and I'll teach you how to invest your money. If you're in the business world and you hunt for sales, one of the things you want to do is have a sit-down meeting. Why? Because you got someone's attention. And when we see Matthew chapter 5, Jesus went up on a mountainside so he could be seen and heard, and he sat down because he had all authority and he wanted to come close to us and say, hey, I want to teach you how to be happy. And so after praying and thinking through, God, what would you have me say 
to the amazing people of Mount Pleasant. What does Greenville need to hear under the leadership of Pastor Ross White, who I've heard is the greatest pastor who's ever lived the earth? A friend of mine who attends Greenville, I said, hey, what's Ross like? He's like, he's the greatest pastor I've ever known. That's who Ross is. When I think about people who are watching online, you may be sick this morning, or you may be in Iowa, or you may just be too lazy to come to church, let's be real. When I've been thinking about like, man, what does blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God? What does that really mean? And uh, God gave it to me. And it's framed up in my title for our time together. Don't fight me. God told me to tell you this. Today we're going to learn about how to be happy when you have to say no to you. The hardest no we ever can say in the world is not to say no to drugs. That's kind of hard sometimes. It's not say no to the pressure of the world. It's when we have to say no to ourselves so we can do what God has called us to do. Man, I'm so honored that I get to correct you with the word of God today. Because <laughs> he's been beating me up about it for the last six weeks. And so I want to share the pain. That's what I want to do today. Can we take a moment to pray together? Father, I thank you that um, you have enough authority to instruct us how to be happy. We've been trying to do it on our own, and the Tahoe isn't cutting it. The house in the right neighborhood isn't cutting it. Pursuing a person based off of what they could do for us versus what we could give isn't cutting it. Position and title isn't cutting it. Pride is not cutting it. We can't keep hiding anymore. We ask you, Lord God, will you teach us how to be happy the way you built us to receive happiness and give happiness? Be here now. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Two questions for you this morning. One. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How many of you guys want to see God today? How many of you want to see him move in your life? How many of you want to see him do miracles in your life? Men broken hearts, do things you never thought possible, give direction. I think we would all agree that we want to see God in our life. Jesus says that seeing God is based on a purity of heart. And I really want to live life with the right level of sight, seeing God. It's a weird world to live in when you're walking a little blind. Last week, I ran out of my contact lenses. And what it really means is I procrastinated ordering contact lenses, and I couldn't handle my contacts anymore, and I'm blind without them. And I threw them out, which meant for three days, I didn't know any of y'all. If you said hi to me, I was saying hi to blobs. I was like, hey, how you doing? And first Wednesday, it all came to a head. And if you don't come to first Wednesday, you are missing out. God is doing something special in our church through first Wednesday. First Wednesday of every month, we have a special church service. You need to get in. We show it online if your campus doesn't have one. If your local community has one, you need to be there. And first Wednesday, we're worshiping. 
And at the end of the worship service, my wife is standing next to Amy Worley. And that's a problem. Amy Worley is the same height as my wife. She's got long hair like my wife does. They about have the same facial structure. And so I'm walking up to them, and for about five seconds, I have this dilemma. I don't know which one's my wife. And all I had in my heart is, I'm going to kiss Amy Worley, get punched in the face by Amy because she's not a game. My wife's kind of scary. She's going to punch me in the face. Lee Worley, Amy's husband, is leading worship. He's going to be filled with righteous anger, pummel me in front of people, and then I'm unemployed. When we can't see God, we run through life kissing things we have no business kissing. When we can't see God, we run after things that we think will give us happiness, but will only put us in a pit of despair. The world offers happiness, and guess what? It's great. But the problem is the price tag of the happiness of the world will leave us hurting, potentially even for generations after we leave this earth. How to be happy. I think we all know we want to see God. Another question for you, do not raise your hand. Do you have a pure heart? Do you have a pure heart? Now, yes, no, probably both ways you're right. If you have a relationship with Christ, God's word promises that he takes away our sins and he's given us a new heart. But also, we know until we get to heaven, we will not reach perfection. So God purifying our heart is a life long pursuit. When Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, that really made all the Jews on the mountainside lean forward because up until that time, all they knew about purification was an external process. You went to the synagogue, you slaughtered a bull so your sins would be forgiven. You prayed out loud in the synagogue so people would know you're holy. There's laws that you live so people would know that you're walking with God. But Jesus says, no, 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 I don't care about all that. I care about the purity of your heart. This one guy who lived a really awesome life came to Jesus and said, what must I do to get salvation? And Jesus said, hey, you need to obey the commandments. And this guy was young. He was rich and he was powerful. And he said, uh, which commandments? Jesus told him a few. And he said, I've been doing all those things since I was young. And Jesus was like, awesome. Interview process approved. I need another disciple. He said, go sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and come follow me. Jesus was inviting him into the ministry. That guy probably should have written a good bit of the New Testament. But when he heard Jesus say, sell all his possessions and give away his wealth, because his wealth had his heart, he couldn't do it. So scripture says he walked away sad. Why do you walk away sad? Because he could not give up his wealth. He said no to God because the price that God was saying to follow him was too high. So he walked away. Another guy, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. I know the 830 would get that. He was short, wealthy, and powerful. He saw Jesus coming. And he climbed up a sycamore tree because the crowds were so big and he wanted to see God. When's the last time you saw a wealthy, powerful man climb a tree? 
Probably not, probably not very often. But he wouldn't let the pride of him being short hold him back from seeing God. And so when he saw God, Jesus said, hey, man, I'm coming over to your house. And everyone's like, what? You can't go to his house. He's a sinner. He's unclean. Why? He was a tax collector. Tax collectors made their money off of hiking up the interest rate so they would make a profit. Imagine if your tax bracket went from 15% to 30% and you knew where the man lived who made that decision. You didn't like him. And by the way, he was protected by the Navy SEALs of your time. So you're not going to start nothing either because Roman centurions are looking like, oh man, I'm ready for a fight. So this man, Zacchaeus, sees God. And when he comes to his house, he says, right here, right now, I give over half of my wealth. If I've taken money from anyone, which he knew he did, he had the ledger in his house. He said, I'll give over four times as much as what I've taken to them. And Jesus said, salvation has come to your house. He was able to see God because he said no to his wealth. He said no to himself, and in saying no to himself, he was able to see God. Let's take a moment to define what a pure heart is. A pure heart is an inward posture and process of being submitted to God. It's an inward posture that says, I will bow at the feet of Jesus and I will do what God is calling me to do. It's also a process. It's also something that, man, when God shows you something that's out of alignment, you say, okay, I'll do that too. Pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Today, I think that there's three no's that we all could say to ourselves that will help us see God. I've got a picture of two great men that God used in a powerful way. We've got the great Dr. Martin Luther King and the great Reverend Billy Graham. We know who they are in 2022 because of the no's they said to themselves. And in the no's they said to themselves, they were able to see God do immeasurably more than all they could have asked or imagined. Dr. Martin Luther King, after graduating college, he said no to a great cushy job in Boston. He said no and said, you know what? I'm going to move down to South. I'm going to move down to Atlanta, and I'm going to go on this fight for equality, a fight that cost him a lot, ultimately cost his life, but I'm sitting here talking to you today, and the world has been forever changed because he said no to himself. The great Reverend Billy Graham, I lived in Charlotte for 10 years, and every year I would go to the Billy Graham Museum by myself. I'd walk there, and I would allow my jaw to drop at what happens with a life when you're willing to say no to yourself. The great Billy Graham said no to a lucrative deal to become a Hollywood movie star so he could say yes to God. In saying no to a desire that was probably in him, he became the pastor of kings. He became the pastor and consultant of presidents. And even when he passed away, people of different faiths called for a day of mourning. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Well, how does this play out in our life, Joel? Let's take a look at a case study of a guy who was struggling to see God and Jesus tried to correct him so his heart would become pure again. Let's take some time to look at a legend of the faith in Matthew chapter 11. If you have your Bibles with you, let's take a look at John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a guy who knew what his purpose was. He was the first cousin of Jesus. His mom, Elizabeth, and Mary, they were tight. The first time John met Jesus, he was in his mother's womb, and he started jumping up and down. Started jumping up and down. The first time he met Jesus. When his mom became pregnant, God sent an angel to tell her what her son's purpose was. John finds himself in a prison. He finds himself going through hard times and he can't see God. And Jesus corrects him. And today we're going to take a look at that. So Matthew chapter 11, picking up in verse 1. You guys with me? Am I doing okay? After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? How weird of a question is that? His whole life, his whole ministry was to prepare the way of the Lord, but yet when he hears the things that Jesus is doing, he gets discouraged by them instead of encouraged by them. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So he tells his disciples to say that. And the disciples walk away. He walks away and then Jesus becomes John the Baptist's hype man. Listen to what he says. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And so for our time together, I want to share with you three things that we need to say no to ourselves in our effort for purity so we can see God. So my first point is this. Say no to discounting God at work in your life. Say no to discounting God at work in your life. Say yes to counting your blessings. This is how Jesus encourages someone who cannot see him. 
He says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 4. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. He, he points them back to the facts of how he was moving in his life. And you may not be in a physical prison today, but our problems tend to put us in a prison where we can only see what we think is right. And God points him back to the real facts of how he was moving right in front of him. A few weeks ago, my wife was real discouraged. Uh, we've, we've got four kids. We made the decision to homeschool. Yes, we churn our own butter. Don't come at us. It's great. Our kids wear denim. Don't worry about it. And she was real discouraged because she's like, man, this is hard. The boys keep punching each other in the face. The girls just talk all day. No one hears my voice. Da -da 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 -da. And she's going hard in the paint about what she believes is the reality of her life. And so I had to like pull her up and say, hey, girl, but our kids, they know how to pray for each other. Our kids, they're respectful to adults. Our kids are fully clothed. They're safe. They're just breathing. How about we just say we're doing better than we think we're doing? A few weeks ago, we went to the Charleston Boat Show, and my daughter, who's seven, wants to be a police officer. And she saw this girl who was a cop, and she got excited, and we went over and talked to her. And I said, Lexi, ask her a question. And she says, hey, why do you do it? And the cop said, well, I believe God placed me on the earth to be a police officer. And I said, hey, Lexi, would you pray for her? And my seven-year-old daughter got up on a chair, grabbed a police officer by a head, and prayed a prayer of faith over that cop. Guess what? That's not because her dad's a pastor. That's because she's got a present mom in the household who lives this faith thing out in a way that's inspired her to begin to have her own faith herself. But you know what? The enemy's really good at making you discount your blessings. The enemy's really good about making you think you need another car versus praising God for the one you have. The enemy's really good at making you look at all the things that makes your spouse horrible versus all the things that God has divinely blessed you with because they're in your life. The enemy's really good at making you feel you're past your prime that your season has passed, that all you can do is look back to your glory days versus looking forward with hope. Enemy's really good at that. So say yes to counting your blessings. Second thing we can see through this scripture that we need to say no to ourselves is say no to disconnecting from God. Say no to disconnecting from God. Matthew chapter 11, verse 6 Jesus tells John the Baptist this, blessed is anyone, happy is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Other translation says, blessed is anyone who does not fall away on account of me. Jesus is telling John, don't, don't disconnect from me right now. Don't, don't stop seeing how I'm at work. And you know what? When life gets hard, we all can tend to disconnect from the very things that give us life. 
If you feel like you don't have what it takes, guess what? You don't. But when we stay connected to Christ, there's no limit to the power in your life. John chapter 15, verse 5 says this. John, Jesus is talking, and he says this. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When we remain connected to Christ, we have the power to do anything he's called us to do. And so, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Don't disconnect from God in this season when you're struggling. And here's the simple takeaway for that. Just show up. Just show, show up. Uh, lately, I've been trying to work on my fitness. Um, try, I'm trying to get rid of my dad bod. I'm trying to be a father figure, amen. Um, uh, and I've been going to CrossFit. And so I've been surviving these CrossFit classes. And I lift the least amount of weights in the room. I got a whole other sermon, the five things that every church can learn from CrossFit. It's really amazing. But, but um, I, try to, I try to go by like the person who I think is the weakest and work out with them and survive. I go in the afternoons and guess what I learned? Last week I went in the morning time. All of the strongest people in my class in the afternoon, they also go in the morning. I thought we were all working out once a day together, and these people doing two-a-days. No wonder why Susie Q, who's five feet tall, can lift 250 pounds. I get it now, but guess what? What does Susie do that I don't do? She keeps showing up. She keeps showing up. She feels a little sore. sore. She doesn't work out her shoulders. She works out her legs or something else. She keeps showing up. And so... Stay connected to the vine. Keep showing up. Reading your Bible and it's hard? Do it again the next day. Start with the verse of the day on the YouVersion Bible app. Don't miss a Sunday in 2022. Get involved in a small group. Take your next step of faith the way God has convicted you to do. Do not disconnect from the very thing that gives us all life and power. In doing that, we see God. Third thing we need to say no to today. So one, uh, say no to discounting God at work in your life. Two, say no to disconnecting from God. And three, say no to believing you know better than God. Say no to believing you know better than God. You don't know all the stories. You don't know the end. God does. You don't understand your life the way you think you do in your own head. Your perspective is off. God knows. And when we start to make decisions off of our poor perspective versus how God is leading us, we always end down the wrong path. The prophet Isaiah said this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm grateful that my God knows more than I do. I'm grateful that he 
wants me to be led by him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. God will make it plain to you if you get out your way. A friend of mine, he was struggling. He was trying to figure out when to go from active duty Air Force to reserves. And so he started leaning into God. Did not know what made sense, but he started leaning into God. He couldn't sleep one night. It's two in the morning. He gets up and says, you know what, I'm going to go on that website. So he goes on the website for the United States Air Force Reserves. He was active duty at the time. And he drops his jaws when the website loads up. There's a picture of him on the recruiting page for the Air Force. He's like, man, for the reserves? I, I should go in the reserves. There's a picture of my face. It's two in the morning. He runs upstairs. He grabs his wife. She comes downstairs and reads the caption. She's like, you didn't read the caption. The caption said, join the United States Air Force Reserves today. God made it plain. When we seek first his kingdom, God will make it plain. God will send people in your path to make it plain. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I'm grateful that our purity of heart is dependent most on what he can do and a little bit on our decision to allow him to work in our life. Pure heart, it's an inward posture and process of being submitted to God. How do you need to submit to God today so you can see him? I don't think it's an accident that Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler, the thing that was holding them back or freeing them from seeing God was their wealth. Does your money have your heart in a way where you can't see God? A pastor I grew up with, he told me, most people can't do what God's called them to do because the enemy's got them so much wrapped up in debt. The enemy's got them so much wrapped up in materialism that they cannot walk where God's called them to walk. Maybe the most practical thing you can do this year to see God is start to dislodge things that have your heart. Dislodge things. You may need to sell a boat this year. Amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you, you may need to say, you know what, kids, we're not playing travel soccer on Sundays because we need to prioritize the presence of God. And instead of trying to make your son the next LeBron, you may say, mm, maybe you're going to come to one night. Maybe you need to invest in that thing called custom. What's God calling you to do? Maybe you need to stop being a consumer and start contributing. You may say, you know what, I need to serve. I need to get involved in this thing called church. How is God calling you to respond? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the incredible people at Seacoast. Man, I've never met such amazing people. I ask you, Lord God, that you'll show us how to submit to you. Because in submitting to you, you fill us with power. And in submitting to you, we actually can live this life happy. Speak to us, Lord. Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, now in our service, we want to take some time to respond because deeper than any of the words that I said, God wants to speak to you. And so every service, 
we take time to ask ourselves two questions. What is God speaking to me? And what am I gonna do about it? And so I know life is busy. I know you got a lot on your plate, but would you take the next two songs just to ask yourself those questions? You can respond in a few ways. You can take communion. Communion is the way Jesus told us to remember his life, death, burial, and resurrection. You can light a candle for someone that you're praying for. You can go to one of the crosses and write down a prayer request. But take this time to respond and say, God, I know that guy said a lot of stuff, but what, what would you have me do with all that? Let's respond together.